0: to after the bell with your host laura if you like what you hear today please rate and review kindly this show is a series of conversations with educators and learners to try and deconstruct some of the stereotypes around education if you'd like to know more about me please visit my instagram page at educatingLaura. laura And thank you for joining me again today. These weeks are flying. I cannot believe we're already four episodes in plus I'm adding in the extra blog episodes. Gosh I'm getting a lot of content out into your ears so thank you for bearing with me and hopefully you're enjoying what I'm putting out there. I'm really excited about this conversation today. I was led to him through a group chat I'm in with some fellow educators of mine and I will tell you what teachers are the most supportive cheerleaders out there. We're often sharing thoughts potential lesson plans films that we think are exciting articles as well as having silly banter and i think that's really important especially in remote learning i think we all need the opportunity to let our hair down a little bit and be a bit silly and not take ourselves so seriously but in this case the link that was posted was quite serious it was one of my friends who teaches Elliot currently in year 12 and she was really excited when she found out that he had put himself up on triple j unearthed and so i clicked on the link and listened to one of his songs and i thought my god the production here is incredible i mean and the talent but selfishly (laughs) i thought about the production value first and i asked my friend if i could get his details or if he would be interested in working with me because i was starting this podcast and had absolutely no idea how to produce it and edit and all of that. So I thought, you know what, this kid clearly knows what he's doing. I'd love to chat to him. So he reached out to me pretty much the night that my friend chatted to him, really enthusiastic. I gave him a call and he was so generous and offered to help me and send me some resources and things like that. And I realized that we were actually having quite a good conversation, really naturally, just over the phone. And I thought, if I'm enjoying just having this little chat with him now, wouldn't it be nice to bring you onto the podcast? Because obviously he is at the precipice of a budding musical career. I have a very little platform, and I'm sure that this platform will be nothing compared to where he ends up because of his talent. But he agreed and I cannot tell you how grateful I was to be in the company of this young man through technology because obviously we are still isolating. He is authentic, honest and open. He's a really beautiful artist and I really enjoyed what he had to say and I really liked his perspective on life, on being a teenager and on navigating society and societal constructs. As I said in my first episode the perspective of our youth is important. Despite him aging me a few times, and it's okay, I laughed at the time and cried later. No, no, I didn't. I laughed. It's fine. But these kids are growing up in a world that we didn't. And I think that their voices need to be valued. And I'm really glad that I had this conversation and I can bring it to you. Also, making sure that you are staying tuned to the end of the episode because the entire version of his brand new song here with me is also there for everyone to listen to and it is amazing i know all the words already my daughter sings it around the house i cannot recommend it enough so make sure you stay tuned to the end so here is my conversation with elliot willis hello elliot thank you so much for being here today how are you
1: i'm good how are you
0: Good, thank you. So you came onto my radar because of a friend of mine who's your current teacher. She sent me a link to your track on Triple J, Unearthed. And when I heard the song, I was impressed. I really wanted to chat to you. So can you tell me about when you knew and you felt that you had this passion for music?
1: Yeah, so pretty much... I got my first keyboard when I was four for my fourth birthday. It was like one of them little toy ones where like the keyboard keys light up and you like press them and you can play the music and play along with it. It was really sick. And that was kind of like when I started getting into music and I started like mucking about and playing around with different sounds and stuff like that. And then kind of played for a little while, just playing at home, never got any lessons or anything. And then I got introduced to guitar from my half brother. And then picked up the guitar, asked mum and dad, I was like, oh, can I get some guitar lessons, like start playing and stuff like that? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Started playing the guitar and then my music journey kind of just took off from there really.
0: And so how old were you when you got those lessons?
1: So I started getting guitar lessons when I was seven. Wow. Yeah.
0: Do you think that there was a natural affinity for you towards musical instruments and just you had that ability to start playing yourself or did you feel that you needed the lessons?
1: I've always sort of been drawn to it. Mm. So it's always something that I've been more passionate about, like compared to like sport and other stuff. Like music's always been something which I've been drawn towards and been really, really into. I feel lessons definitely helped me progress. Mm. You know, like I like for guitar, like I progressed really quickly,
2: Mm.
1: you know, not sounding big-headed or egotistical or anything like that, but like I was ahead of all the other kids that were playing guitar at my school and getting lessons. Mm. So it's been something that I've sort of clicked with.
0: What's interesting? I know my sister played piano, and we had a piano at home, and she'd always have her headphones in because she never wanted anyone to hear her. And still says to this mm. day that it was such a chore. Did you ever feel that when you were going to lessons?
1: Yeah, I did. To be honest with you, at the start, obviously, because like, I was learning all these new things, like mm. I really enjoyed going to lessons because I was always learning something new. But once it got to about, I'd say like year nine-ish, year eight, year nine, it, I sort of had like a bit of a decrease in my interest in it. So like. I would go to my guitar lessons but I wouldn't necessarily come home and play guitar. Like the only time I'd play for like that couple of years would just be a guitar lessons and I wouldn't really pick up an instrument when I was at home. Whereas now I've sort of like found that interest again. And it's I'm always playing guitar, always singing, always doing stuff like that. I've just yeah, found that spark again and I've sort of re yeah, just refound the love for the for music.
0: That's perfect. I like that. Can you tell me about the writing process for you? How do you write your own music?
1: For me, as a musician, what I do is I write all my songs on guitar. So the first step for me is I just get a bunch of chords which sound good together. Once I have them together, I find out like a a sort of melody and then I sing out a melody. And then from there, I just start writing lyrics down and just see what happens. I usually, I've got a loop pedal. So I usually put the chords in loop and just like walk around my bedroom and just see what comes to my mind and just write it down if it sounds cool.
0: (laughs) That's ability to write the melodies, do you think that came from the lessons? Do you think that that comes more from something within you to do that? Where do you think the skill comes from?
1: I honestly think it comes from me, to be honest with you. I know so many people who play the guitar, but they struggle to write music and find lyrics and melodies and stuff like that. Whereas I find it very easy to just sort of get a melody down. Melodies are something which I don't really struggle that much with, but when it comes to lyrics, sometimes I get like writer's block and sometimes I struggle with writing lyrics, but melodies usually just come to me.
0: So do you find that the easiest thing for you, the melody is easier than the lyrics?
1: Yeah, for sure, because obviously like with my my lyrics and my songwriting, I'm trying to be a lot more in-depth and like things have multiple different meanings Mm. so that different people can get different, take out different things from the song. Whereas before it was kind of like whatever rhymed sounded good. So I've kind of gone from that, oh, yeah, fast with cast sounds sick, so I'm going to put it in the song, yeah. to go with like some more sort of like, like underlying meanings to the lyrics that I'm writing.
0: Absolutely. I wonder too, and I think I'm probably the only adult that would wonder what a 17-year-old is writing about. Like what is it that inspires you? What is it that you're actually writing about? How much life experience are you drawing on? <laughs> You know, what is it that inspires you in terms of your lyrics?
1: So a lot of the stuff I write about are personal experiences Mm -hmm. and I also like to write a lot about societal values in society and like societal expectations on people. So that's kind of like where I like to write and what things I like to write on. So a lot of of my songs I've had some sort of impact or it's impacted my life somehow.
0: Mm -hmm. What kind of societal impacts or societal constructs do you write about?
1: Yeah, so... My single Miles, that was like the first song that I released. That song was all about like societal pressure on people having to be a specific person mm. and people feeling as if they couldn't be who they are purely based on how other people wanted them wanted them to be. So that song was all about like, you know, getting away from society and just being by yourself and being with friends who see you for who you are and just being in a safe place where you can be yourself and not suffer from like these societal pressures.
0: Do you think, obviously at the moment we're in lockdowns, we're doing remote learning, we're away from society. Do you think that we have more opportunity now to be authentic than we ever have?
2: Oh,
1: I mean, yes and no in a way, because I suppose lockdown, everyone's at home. So like all you're kind of seeing is them on social media or some sort of media and that can be easily changed, if that makes sense. Whereas... Before lockdown, you're mainly seeing people in person and people can show themselves off, like put facades on to not be themselves, but it's a lot easier to sort of pick out when you're actually seeing that person mm-hmm. in person, like whether they are being legitimate or they're not.
0: Mm-hmm. So you're currently studying year 12. As I've said, we're in lockdown. What has that mm-hmm. process been like for you going in and out of lockdown, having that uncertainty in obviously a quite a... Big year, or we're at least encouraged to think societally that it's a big year. How's that been for you?
1: Yeah, honestly, I haven't been the biggest fan of this year. You know, there's, <laughs> I'll be honest, I haven't, I mean, I suppose it's the same thing for everybody or for a lot of people, but
0: yeah, I don't think you're alone.
1: <clears throat> yeah, but especially with being in year 12 and that big pressure of doing well and like succeeding and performing well on exams and getting that like, good ATAR, being in and out of school a lot. Has had like a massive impact on me because I'm a very like extroverted person. So I love face-to-face learning. I love socialising with my friends, teachers, asking questions in class. Like sticking my hand up just to ask questions and stuff like that. Whereas for remote learning, when you're just in like a team school with your teachers in your class, the only person with the camera on is the teacher mm. and everyone is just sat there and the teacher will ask a question and then no one will answer because they're too embarrassed to turn their mic on mm. and talk or people might be scared to talk over other people because you can't physically see when someone's going to start talking. Mm. And, yeah, just, it's been tough having to adjust to doing things remotely.
0: Absolutely, and how do you think you've managed your mental stability during this time?
1: Definitely a lot better this time around. Mm-hmm. The first time it was challenging because, like I said, like I rely on that social interaction, and when I can't see friends, it's somewhat draining for me because I hate my own company.
0: <laughs> an extrovert gets their energy from others. That's literally a definition of an extrovert. Yeah,
1: yeah. So like I'm so used to like bouncing off other people's vibe and just bouncing off other people. It's like well. I've got my family, but it's not the same as being in the classroom or being out playing basketball or recess and lunchtime with your mates and teachers and that kind of stuff. It's just, yeah, it's just not the same. And my mental health was sort of, it was going downhill a bit because, like I'm saying, like I rely very heavily on other people to be in a good mood. So if people are in a good mood, then I will be because I'm bouncing off mm-hmm. their vibe and what they're giving off. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I'm by myself, it's very hard to sort of get yourself out of that. Like, oh, I've got all this stuff to do. Oh, I've got to turn on my computer, stare at a screen all day, you know. You're not doing a whole lot, but you're still tired because you're just looking at the screen for the whole entire day. Mm. And it's just, yeah.
0: And so how do you feel you pulled yourself out of that?
1: Sort of just coming to terms with everything, you know. Mm. At the start, remote learning, the first time it was sort of, it was less of me realising that every single year 12 student was in the same situation. And it was more of putting a blame on like other people or Dan Andrews for putting us into lockdown, <laughs> you know?
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: Whereas this time around, I've like realised, oh, hang on, every year to in the same situation in the same boat. So we're all going through it. Yeah. And Vicar are definitely making a lot more adjustments this time around. Yeah. Whereas for the first time, well, we're in remote learning for about nine or 10 weeks. And then they decided to change the study design. And then we're we'll back at school the next week. Yeah. But I feel like they're making, obviously, like with how they've just changed how ATAR is going to work for this year and how it's all going to be assessed individually instead of like based on other people's results, like the competition type thing. Yeah. I think that's definitely like a really good like way to go with mm. ATAR and how it should work.
0: Mm. Well, it will be interesting, I think, to see whether this year and what happens this year with you guys will actually change the system. It will be very interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I hope it does really do because, you know, I'm not really a big fan of how ATAR works, (laughs) to be honest with you.
0: I think it is a system in which we are compliant as teachers, but for sure, Mm. I mean, there's certainly flaws. Um, You know, I'm not going to say that there isn't. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bringing it back to music, what are some of your or who are some of the biggest influences for you?
1: So for me, Lots of people's sort of inspirations or influences for music are like you know the big pop stars that are doing things, but for me it's sort of like more of the musos that I know personally. Like I was saying before, like my, one of my big inspirations with my heart was my half brother because like he mm. he was pretty much the reason as to why I'm doing this right now. Mm. You know, watching him play guitar and seeing him plucking the strings and strumming away, I used to watch him and just be like, oh, I wish I can do that. Like, I wish I was able to just sit down and pick up a guitar and just play music. Like, So he's definitely been one of the biggest sort of inspirations for me, especially getting into music. And then the more singing route, my singing teacher. So I go to a singing academy called Coach Music Academy. Mm -hmm. and my singing teacher taylor piggott like he's definitely been like a massive inspiration for me because he's a singer songwriter himself like he writes his own music records it produces it and he's produced all my music so he's produced miles and he's produced here with me and you know just watching him and he does just like his live streams and stuff like that and i'm just like oh i want to do that or he does these performances and i'm like oh i want to do that So seeing him do all these things definitely pushing me a lot more to be like I want to get to that stage where I can perform in front of large groups of people and I can get emails of people saying, oh, we want you to play here. Give us a time and a day. Like, you know, I want want to get to that stage.
0: Yeah, you want to be a bit more in demand. Yeah.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: So what is the goal for you with the music? Is it purely a passion thing and about experiencing that or is it more about monetary success for you?
1: Well, I do it because... I just want to get my voice out there. You know, like I said before, my songs are about things that I believe in. And I want people to hear that and hear my opinions and hear my voice. And I just want people to like enjoy my music and like me for who I am and like my music for what it is. But at the same time, like, of course, I want to be selling out Rod Laver Arena. (laughs) It's every, every, every muso's goal. Like everyone wants to get to that stage where music is their job. And like they can fina- they mm. can financially support themselves and their family by doing music. So, yeah.
0: What was the first concert you ever went to?
1: Yeah, so I've actually I've only ever been to a one one concert. It was in I think year nine. I went to see Ed Sheeran with my mom. Yeah. It was so sick. Yeah? It was so cool. Yeah, I loved it.
0: So how is he as a performer? Because I, I get the impression he's kind of solo on the stage. Yeah,
1: he's 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 awesome to watch. Like a lot of the music that he performs is just him and his loop pedal and that's it. So like everything you're hearing is mm-hmm. just him. And like watching that was like, like, yo, that's so cool. Like I want to be able to do that. And like the way he engaged the crowd as well, like he have got – 30,000 plus people in the stadium and like the crowd control he had was so cool to watch as well.
0: And where do you think that comes from? Is that purely from the talent or do you think that's an element of personality from him too?
1: I think it's a bit of both. I think to be able to Mm. do that you have to have some sort of characteristic of yourself where you're a bit of that like take control kind of person or that dominant kind of person but at the same time I feel as years and years he's because he's been in in the industry for years now so it's definitely like he's had time to practice and time to improve and obviously like if you'd watch his very first very first concert very first performance the contrast between Mm. him performing back then to him performing now would be so different because he's had that experience and he's been able to practice Mm.
0: do you think you have that ability do you think you have the presence to command a room and to command a space
1: yeah well I like to think I can, you know, I'm a pretty outgoing person. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: I like to think I'd be able to do that one day. But, yeah. you know, it's just the the experience. And mm-hmm. the thing about Corona as well, about the virus, is that it's not just me. Like every single artist is in the same position. Like we're all lacking experience mm-hmm. this year and yeah. lacking opportunities and all that kind of stuff because we can't perform. And we can't do gigs and concerts and stuff like that, which is you know, had a massive impact on the music industry, like financially as well.
0: Mm. How does it make you feel that music and entertainment is not deemed essential?
1: Oh, I mean, I can see why, because, you know, we're not the front line, we're not the nurses or the doctors or anything like that. Like we don't help physically with the the virus, which is understandable. But at the same time, Mm. if people didn't have music, then people's mental health wouldn't be as well. It wouldn't be as good if that makes sense you know because the music is an outlet for so many people whether it's playing it writing music or just getting on spotify and listening to their playlist or their music like it helps people in so many different ways so you know i can see why it's not essential but at the same time i still think it should be maybe not with performances and stuff because trying to get that many people in a room is not good and they can spread really quickly <laughs> that wouldn't help
0: for sure yeah. No. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. I think that people are starting to see the importance and things that perhaps they took for granted before. I think that's definitely the case.
1: Yeah, definitely. You
0: know. Yeah. Yeah. So I can. I see what you mean, and I think, as you say, whether you're a performer or in the audience, I think that there is a lot of positivity to take away from music and to see people passionate about yeah. about music and making it for sure.
1: Yeah, hundred percent.
0: Obviously, you're in year 12, and the pressure of year 12 is quite big for you, and I'm assuming that that motivates you to get into your classes, to be a part of your classes. If you were in the younger years, like year 7 to 10, how do you think this would have been for you?
1: Probably wouldn't be doing a whole lot, to be completely honest with you. Even in previous years, being at school, I was always like to myself, oh, I'll just wait till I get to year 11, year 12, because they're the years that count. Yeah. I mean, not to say I slack off my work. Like, I do my work, I would get everything done. But the work I was doing wouldn't necessarily be to the best of my ability. Because mm. I was like, I was in that mindset of, well, what's the point in trying if it's not going to go towards anything? Mm. So that was a mindset which carried for a while. <laughs> and I feel like if I, was in, yeah. if I was in online, it'd be the same thing. Probably would turn up to classes, but it'd probably just be mute and then do whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't be a whole lot of actually doing work.
0: I think that's a hard thing because you can mute yourself, you can turn your camera off, you can pretend things are going on. I mean, there certainly would be very challenging to navigate that as a teacher, I'm sure. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: As a student, yeah. I wonder, how do you think we shift that mindset? How do we shift school from being a, I'll just get done what I have to get done, to actually loving and enjoying the process of learning? How do you think we shift that? Um. It's a hard question I'm sorry.
1: No that's all right. I feel like the environment like the learning environment for younger years should be this or not or be similar to the learning environment for VCE because in VCE as soon as I transferred from 7 to 10 campus to VCE campus the whole entire environment changed. Mm. Not only was everyone there who wanted to be there to learn like they were determined you know everyone wanted to be there to learn and get a good end result but teachers treated you so much differently. Like, you know, Mm,
0: okay, like just the
1: simple things, like your teacher letting you call them by a nickname, not having to say miss or sir or anything like that. And just like having a nickname for teachers, it sort of like breaks down that barrier of that sort of friendship bond. Mm. And because your teachers become more like a friend towards you, you're more motivated to learn because you can't, you want to make them proud as much as you want to make yourself proud and your family proud. Mm. So I feel like more, social not like somewhat socializing but just less of that sir and miss and more of the the nicknames being put in there for teachers
0: so less us and them and more we that's the kind of environment you'd like so it's all we're all in it together from an earlier age rather than i'm the teacher you're the student you must listen or there must be Hmm. discipline here
1: yeah because you know it, it breaks down breaks down in categories of teacher and student and it sort of like merges into the one thing. Like obviously, you know, you still respect them and they still are that hierarchy, but you're more willing to respect them because you're more on like a friendship basis, if that makes sense.
0: Do you think that every student would feel that way or every student would be respectful if there wasn't an element of discipline?
1: Of course not, you know. Of course, there's going to be people that abuse, will abuse it. I mean, there are now. I feel like it would have... On, on the larger scale of things I feel like it would have more of a positive impact a positive influence but no matter what's going to happen you're still going to have the kids that don't respect teachers and it's annoying and it's sad but not everyone has that level of respect no matter who you're teaching like whether it's adults kindergarten or yeah primary school secondary school there's still going to be those students that don't listen still muck around in class don't hand in their work and you want everyone to have that respect for teachers you want it to be there and a majority of students do but there's still going to be like the couple that don't
0: where do you think you learnt your respect for teachers
1: well my mom's a teacher mm. so I mean she works in like special education so kids with disabilities and stuff like that but amazing yeah so I would go into when I was a lot younger I would go into the school with her and I would watch her and I would see how she would teach in a classroom and especially at this age like seeing when a a kid doesn't listen to a teacher you can see how frustrating it actually is and how annoyed the teachers actually get and how much Mm. they have to like subdue that feeling of frustration so I was kind of Mm -hmm. just like well, what's the point in creating a problem when you can just listen and do your work and you can have a good experience in the classroom.
0: Absolutely. And I think too, the hard part is when somebody is disruptive, it's not just the teacher that has to deal with that. It's the fact that their attention then goes to that disruptive student yeah. and the other people in the class that actually want to learn get less out of it. So I think that there's that too. Mm. Um, respecting your, your classmates and, and their goals, I suppose, at the end of the day is important.
1: Yeah. And especially in VCE as well. Like every, because obviously you have the option to drop out. <laughs> and a lot of the yeah. people that don't want to be in VCE will drop out. So every yeah. single, well, pretty much every single person that's in VCE is there to learn and there to do well. And if you have Mm. that one person that doesn't, then you're literally annoying the whole entire class.
0: (laughs) Correct. uh, Correct. Yeah. And I think that's where the students have more power in that regard too because they have their own goal. So it's not just the teacher that will exert discipline. It might actually be the other students around them that say, come on, knock it off, mate. I don't want to be in this situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: Can you tell me about a really positive experience you've had with a teacher.
1: Yeah, so a lot of like the more positive experience from teachers have definitely come from VCE year 11 and 12.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's it's back on the sort of building those closer relationships. Your experience in a classroom is so and the impact that they have on you is so much more positive when you have a closer bond and a closer relationship. So mm-hmm. and you know and I feel like if a teacher if you have that mm-hmm. sort of bond where you can you feel comfortable talking to a teacher about home life then you've obviously got that really strong bond, and when you when you have a strong bond and you have a strong relationship, then it then you're backing onto you want to be motivated and you want to do more work. So I feel, yeah, if you, if a teacher can help like have that influence on you, then you're just going to be so much more motivated to do school.
0: Yeah, I understand that. So other than creating that <laughs> relationship, what else makes a good teacher?
1: Being open-minded, because especially in today's society so many people have so many different opinions on things. So if a teacher is able to sort of take in different opinions, views and values on a certain situation and not just completely go with their opinion, then that makes them so much, like it makes not only the class more enjoyable, but it makes, like, obviously them better as a person. Like, for example, mm-hmm. especially in English or literature, because that subject is like heavily based on, opinions well especially more towards literature it's more heavily based on your opinions around the text and your opinions mm-hmm. based around the themes of the text that you're studying so if teachers are able to be open-minded when they're reading your essays and understand where you're coming from but not necessarily agree with it but are still able to fairly mark the piece then it shows that they have like mm-hmm. a very strong I guess, very strong sort of character and Mm. very open-minded, I suppose. I just repeated myself, but yeah.
0: (laughs) So relationships, open-mindedness, how is it that you like to receive information in a class? What's engaging for you?
1: So I'll just say what isn't engaging for me because I find that much easier. For example, with essays and stuff, when teachers write feedback on the sheet, I don't read it. I just look at my mark and I put it aside and Mm. I'm like, yeah, I'll take that. But if a teacher Mm
2: -hmm. comes
1: over and talks to you and gives your feedback verbally, then that works a whole lot better for me because I'm actually listening and I'm taking it in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that definitely works for me.
0: I think putting a grade on a paper is not beneficial at all. No. When it comes to practice work. No. Because you don't look at it. You don't look at the actual feedback. You just look at the mark and go, oh, that's where I sit 100%. Yeah. That makes complete sense to me. Yeah.
1: Like the only only time I've ever looked at feedback is if I haven't performed as well as what I thought I was going to.
0: That's interesting. So say you get, I don't know, a 7 out of 10. You knew you put in a mediocre amount of work. You thought, yeah, okay, that's where I'm sitting. You wouldn't look at it, even if you knew you could potentially get a 9 out of 10.
1: No, especially with English if it's... Anything above a B or a B plus, and I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But if it gets like C plus or C, then I look at feedback because at I know I'm not a C or C plus yeah. student.
0: Maybe I should tell your English teacher to start giving you C's and C pluses on your practice, and you'll actually read it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are some of the greatest lessons you've ever learned? And they do not have to be academic.
1: Greatest lessons I ever learned. I think. For good question. <laughs> for me the best advice that I've ever had is just take every opportunity that comes to you, like whether it be at school, like there's a student leadership council camp or something to do with school that comes up like I just think take it because you never know what's going to come out of it and that comes back onto like music as well so if somebody sends me an email and they're like do you want to play play here at this time you know deep down I'm a bit obviously a bit scared a bit nervous about it but you never know who's going to be in the audience and who's going to be watching you Mm. and yeah so taking opportunities that come Mm. to you definitely definitely is like the best advice
0: yeah anything else any other experiences you've had other than just advice are actual experiences that have taught you something big?
1: I suppose like getting out of your comfort zone as well because I'm a part of the Student Leadership Council at school. So mm. doing things like public speaking, like being an MC at an assembly or just saying a small paragraph at an assembly or something like that or just putting your hand up to sort of push yourself out of your comfort zone. Because when I was in more like year seven, year eight, I would, like, always got so scared of talking in front of large groups of people and all that kind of stuff. But when I was in the, like throughout the SLC, you know, I've talked in front of like the whole entire school, talked in front of parents, there were awards nights and stuff like that. And I think if I hadn't pushed myself to talk in front of those large groups of people, then I would would still not be able to do it today. And then that leads back on probably not even be able to sing or perform in front of large groups of people because it's pretty much the same thing.
0: Yeah, it is. How important has your music been for you, especially this year in 2020?
1: Very important. Everyone has to have an outlet, whether it be going for a run, going for a bike ride, walking your dog, playing video games. You, know, f- For me, whenever I've had not the best day, just pick up my guitar and just write a song or just play a song and just sit there and just be in the moment of playing music. It just it makes my day so much better. It makes me feel so much better. And especially, you know, being at home all the time and mental health being a really big issue at the moment, having that having that outlet for me is definitely like definitely helps me it's definitely and it has helped me
0: yeah I think you've hit the nail on the head in terms of finding something or an activity that allows you to be present in that moment without being concerned about what's happened and being worried about what's going to happen I think the more we can be in that moment and appreciate in this moment I'm okay and everything is okay Mm -hmm. right now that's all we can do really isn't it
1: yeah definitely like having that outlet from at normal life definitely helps so so much
0: yeah yeah so you touched on before the idea that because most interactions are over a screen and we're seeing people's lives through the lens of social media more than anything or any other time what is your relationship to social media
1: well i rely heavily upon social media mm-hmm. facebook instagram youtube spotify Apple Music, all those kind of stuff. I rely so, so much on social media, like just to get myself out and to get my name and my music out there. And it's a lot easier to be able to get found by people through social media or labels to find you and publishing mm-hmm. companies to find you. Whereas back, I don't know, in the 50s, 60s, if you are a, a singer, you'd be sending CDs to labels and waiting ages to mm. be able to hear back
0: records. You say like 50s oh, and 60s. 50s and 60s. You've got to be sending records. The, the,
1: that is my knowledge on the 50s and 60s. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, sending records. <laughs> <laughs> or like the little yeah. the tapes, sending the t- VHS. Is that, no, that's, the, that's the TV one, isn't it? Yeah, cassette,
0: the cassette tape. tape. The cassette, ta- the VHS. Oh, God. You're making me feel so old. My first Walkman was a cassette Walkman. <laughs> Sorry. Stop laughing at me, Elliot. That, that's, my, 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 that's first, the
1: my first walkroom was an iPod.
0: Stop. I got my first iPod on my 21st birthday. There you go. There you go. Oh, that's aging me.
1: I think I got mine on like my my, my seventh birthday. Oh, get out.
0: That's ridiculous. Yeah. But you know what? The youth <laughs> of today. But I mean, this is the whole point though, isn't it? This It's such a different world that you're living in and the fact that you can actually steer your own career the way you want it to because you can actually get it out there. I mean, that's incredible.
1: Yeah, especially like Triple J Unearthed as well, like having that platform, like I've had publishing companies and management companies all come email me and come through that website. Like if that didn't exist, then I wouldn't have had those people trying to contact me.
0: Mm, Absolutely. So for you, social media is more a platform to promote music rather than a platform to connect to friends, or is there still that?
1: No, of course there's still that. So for me, like Snapchat's more what I use when I communicate with friends, Mm. whereas Yeah, so like Facebook Messenger or Snapchat and even Instagram. I still do use Instagram to like message my friends and stuff like that. But it's more of like the sort of posting websites and social medias like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Those are the ones that I use for my music and to push myself up there and get it out
0: there. So Snapchat is more the communication type platform for you in terms of hanging out Mm -hmm. with friends. Where else are kids? What other platforms are kids using?
1: I think I've named them all to be honest with you.
0: Okay. At least I've heard
1: of them. That's good. Yeah, I mean Discord, but that's more of like a gaming sort of social media platform.
2: Mm.
1: But yeah, the main main ones that people use are just either just your normal text messages, iMessage, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. Those are the main ones that people use. Or like WhatsApp. I don't. I don't, I don't use WhatsApp, but yeah, it's there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm always interested in. The stereotype that people believe about, I don't know, being young or being male or being female or whatever. I'm wondering for you, how do you see yourself or how do you see men and men being constructed in society and how is it to be a man in society today? I feel
1: in society today it's less of that masculine jock stereotype. Mm-hmm. I feel a couple of years ago, so I'd probably say year nine, year 10 that sort of being tough, being hard, you know, not crying, not showing emotion, that was kind of the stereotype that there was upon, like, young males and Mm. young adults, Mm -hmm. young male adults, whereas now society sort of shifted and you see it everywhere, you know, like, men's mental health, all this sort of stuff coming through because, you know, men's suicide percentage rate, like, it's so, so high. So high. Compared to females. Absolutely. Because male were forced into that forced into the idea that they weren't allowed to let out their emotion, they weren't allowed to talk to people, Mm. whereas now I feel like, especially me, like I'm a lot more open with people Mm. just because you're not seen as less of a man because of it. Mm.
0: That's important. That's really important. Mm. It makes me feel really positive about the shifting because I think that we have, I'm going to say from a female perspective, I think women are expecting men to be much more involved in the roles of the house, you know, like a father is expected mm-hmm. to be home and doing more with the children. There's a, there's a lot yeah, more of expectation, which is amazing. But I wonder if the expectation the man has of being the breadwinner and being the one responsible for bringing the money in, I'm wondering if men have shifted that perspective for themselves. I'm not sure.
1: I mean – Personally, I'm not in that situation yet, Of course,
0: so, of course. You yeah.
1: know, I'm, I'm 17. I could be very scary if I was. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like there's still, from like what I've seen around, yeah. fathers, there's a massive pressure on them. You know, like a massive, massive pressure on them to be good fathers and good father figures for their kids. And that can have sometimes a massive effect on their mental health. Mm. You know, for sure. like I said, if I had ex- if if I did have that experience, it would be very worrying for a seventeen-year-old. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting one to consider whether or not the world has shifted enough. You know, I mean, think about the male role model in your life. Are they all the breadwinners, or are they not?
1: I don't really know about my parents' financial st- status
0: that much. So they're both working, and it seems equal to you.
1: To me, it does. Yeah. yeah, they both have an equal contribution to the family.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, well that's even that in itself will give you an impression one way or another without you even maybe knowing it now.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What other things do you find to be deeply influential for you? As in Well, what influences you on a day to day basis, in terms of how you see yourself, in terms of your likes, dislikes, in terms of how you show up in society, what influences are there for you? I suppose it's just that massive like that
1: idea of just being who you are, I suppose. Like, with me, what you see is what you get. Like, I don't really hide a lot anymore. I used to. Like, okay. I, I used to be different to different people. But now it's sort of like, this is me. You like it, you don't. You do. That's good. Yeah. Like
0: <laughs> I want to unpack that comment. You used to be different to different people. When did that change? Yeah. Why did you feel you had to be different to different people?
1: Sort of. I suppose I feel like I had to be different because people had an expectation. And I felt like that expectation had to be met. Mm. And... I'm a, I mean, I still am. Like, I'm a massive people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the club. Yeah. You know, I do a lot of a lot of the actions I do are to please others and mm-hmm. not necessarily myself. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, well, that person likes seeing this part of me, so I'm only going to show them that part of me.
2: Yeah. Whereas
1: that person likes seeing a different part of me, so that's what they're going to see. Whereas now I've kind of come to a realisation where it's like, well, it's good to please people but you've also got to please yourself. And that's kind of just made me realise, oh, show who you are.
0: Well, congratulations on learning that a lot earlier than I did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> You're welcome. It's amazing. That's an amazing thing to hear from somebody so young. I think it takes often a lot longer to come to that place of pleasing yourself in terms of being yeah. authentic. I think that's really great. Where would you like to see yourself in the next five to ten years? What would What would you like your life to look like?
1: I would love to be doing music mm. as a job full-time. I'd love to be doing gigs and shows. And one of my big, big goals for next year is I want to release an EP and I want to do an EP tour around Melbourne. That's mm. one of the things I really want to do next year. So this year, you know, one of the benefits of COVID, being able to write songs and getting some singles out so I can get more attraction towards my name and more yeah support to sort of push me up. So then next year I can be able to go and do a full tour around Melbourne. So that's what I want to be able to do next year. Mm. For the next few years, I don't know, really. At the moment, I'm just seeing where music takes me.
0: And so in terms of tertiary education or is it more music at this point? Um,
1: at the moment, it's more music. Obviously, I've got plan, my plan B. So I'll go, I want to go to uni to become a physiotherapist. So that's what I want to do. So my plan is to get into a course next year and then defer for the year. And then depending on how it goes next year, so if music does go really well, then I could may end up taking another year off, just sort of taking it a year at a time. But, you know, it's important to have a plan B no matter what you're going to do because you never know whether things are going to work out or not.
0: Absolutely. So where can people find you and find your music?
1: Yeah, so the main social media platform I use is Instagram. So that's just Elliot Willis. And then my Facebook is Elliot Willis Music. That's sort of the second one. And all my music's kind of on any platform. So Apple Music, Spotify, Deezer if you use that one, or YouTube Music. It's just under my name, Elliot Willis. So that's where everything is, yeah. All
0: right, I'll put it in the show notes anyway for everybody so that they can find it's you. sweet. So we're going to listen to... Your new single, Here With yes. Me, can you please tell me what inspired the song? Yeah,
1: so this song is about a previous relationship that I had. I wrote it in the sort of coming, like the breakup period of the relationship. You know, it was probably, it hurt the most, this one, <laughs> good old relationships, but it was a massive sort of like emotion, emotional outlet for me. So if I was feeling mm-hmm. extremely down, then but went and I would just try and write this song. It's kind of where, where the inspiration came from, just, yeah, my experience in the relationship.
0: Does it take you back to that time singing this song or is it now has it taken on its own trajectory now?
1: Oh uh, it did when I first started to record it and when I was first writing it it did definitely um, and hearing it does still make me think about the relationship but I wouldn't say mm-hmm. it does as much as what it did now I kind of just mm-hmm. I hear the song and the success that's come from it and the opportunities mm-hmm. that has come from it that's what I hear now
0: yeah that's amazing thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us.
1: That's right, No worries. Thank you. hope everyone loves the song because I'm very proud of this one. So, yeah. You
0: should be. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. Thank you. This is Here With Me by Elliot Willis. Check out the show notes to find out where you can access this song. It really is incredible. And make sure you're following Elliot on all his socials so you do not miss any future developments in his career. What a talent. <laughs>
2: so cold, and so alone, without you no place feels like home Cause I would walk across the borders, I would sail across the sea Just to make sure that you're here Make sure that you're here, here with me